is the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Our mission is to train those who give spiritual counsel to others. Whatever your skill level, we offer accessible and practical advice to those whose life or work frequently leads them to spiritual conversations. Our goal is to foster a growing relational connection with and loyalty to the God of the Bible. We help people choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights on the dashboard of their lives. Our passion comes from the belief that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome back, everyone. Before we dive into the podcast, I want to just share with you this announcement. Nancy and I are opening our own counseling practice. It's been just kind of me, one-man show here at the church for some time. And uh, we felt that uh, God was calling us to take a, a step, a, a bigger step, follow him into something a little bit larger than we've been doing so that we can help more people in our area here that is suffering with the fentanyl epidemic. And we have a university in the area. Uh, if you know anything about uh, college campuses across our country, those are places where loneliness and depression and um, suicidal thoughts and attempts and discouragement, uh, it, it's, it's greater there on these campuses than it is per capita in the rest of the rest of the country. And uh, we've been hearing from people that there's been a need for another counseling practice here in the area because people haven't been uh, not able to get help. Nancy and I wanted to do this for some time, and so now we are taking the step to launch the Two Rivers Counseling Center. And uh, we're doing a soft launch here this fall, and uh, we'll proceed from there. I wanted to tell you that uh, if our podcast has in any way uh, been beneficial to you um, and helped you, you could certainly help us with prayer support and financial donations by going to our current website, uh, tworivers.church slash the center. And all you have to do is is click the button on the launch, help us launch, and uh, it'll take you to a form where you can uh, pray, sign up to pray for us and get our newsletters so that you can keep up to date with what's going on and give financially. Uh, we, we need everyone's help to, to do this. We're, we're not plush with money. Our church is, uh, uh, doesn't have uh, the funds to, to make this happen, so we're asking everyone that... Uh, that comes within the sound of our voice to, uh, at the very least, pray for us. And uh, check out www.tworivers.church slash the center. And you can click on that button there, and it'll take you to a form where you can decide if you want to do uh, maybe a one-time gift or um, some monthly installments. However you want to help us, that would be great. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for even considering whether or not you can, you can help us out. Let me move on to our content today. Um, I have been telling you for three episodes now that this was a three-part series, and I lied. <laughs> it's now a four-part series. Uh, I'm calling it an open letter to wondering women. And um, this is for women who wonder if their situation is abusive and requires action or not. Like I said, I intended this to be three-part series, but that was before yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I yet again sat with a, a wondering woman who felt in her heart she was being mistreated. Uh, with her heart broken, her soul crushed, her dreams all but vanished, she told me story after story after story of cruelty, humiliation, misuse, debasement, and just general unloving mistreatment. 
confusion, frustration, discouragement, hurt, and lostness poured out in and around her words. Still, she was not sure what to do or if she had the right to expect and fight for more. Um, is what I tell you is what I tell you normal? Is it an expected and unavoidable part of marriage, or is what I feel is it wrong? Is it really wrong? Should I? Can I draw a proverbial line in the sand and say no more? This was her question. As I write and reflect back on those few difficult moments, I can't help but fight back tears for this precious soul. How could it have come to this? She kept covering her face with both her hands, like she was trying to hide from it all. The shame, the pain, the hopelessness, and the uncertainty. As she simultaneously exercised this great act of bravery by telling somebody else what she was forced to live with. When, when she covered her face, her head would drop and her face would turn towards the floor in just painful exasperation. Behind her walled up face, she shook her head back and forth as if to say, I know in my heart that this is wrong. I know in my heart that this is wrong. That I do not deserve to be treated this way. But am I right? Please, please do not tell me I'm wrong. I can't bear hearing that again. She knew something was wrong. She knew something had to be done. Wait, strike that. <laughs> Problem was, she didn't know any of that. She figured it must be wrong. She hoped against hope it was wrong. But no, she did not know for sure if she was asking for too much. She thought that the way her husband spoke and acted towards her was wrong, but she was not certain that it was bad enough to call it abuse and to do something about it. She certainly did not know what to do if she concluded that she should do something. She feared what family and friends would think or say. She didn't know where to turn because everyone, everywhere she had turned it was a dead end. The voices in her life didn't know the answers to, this, to the same questions she was asking me. No one... Uh, confirmed what she believed in her heart, but could not find external collaboration for. Corroboration for. Uh, is this normal? Is this okay? Is this isolation just an, an expected and unavoidable part of the deal? Am I being selfish? Am I? What she was told was to stay put and fight for her marriage. I understand. <laughs> I understand that well-meaning but misleading sentiment. But it ended up just being more confusion and uncertainty. That's all it created. Since when is fighting for anything the equivalent of doing little or nothing to change the wrong you see around you? I thought that was a, a lazy, cowardly, insensitive cop-out. <laughs> the opposite of mounting a righteous opposition. Wasn't what I was seeing before me as she, she swallowed the embarrassment to share with me the, the prison that she called life? Wasn't that the fight of a lifetime? What she and other women know, women who tell their story of abuse while still living in it, is that just sharing their story takes a massive dose of courage. You see, staying put, doing little or nothing, and hoping he will change after years of waiting have reduced the hope to just about nothing? That's anything but fighting. It is a classic definition of insanity. Doing what you have always done and expecting different results drawing a line in the sand and refusing to live the way she lived while remaining 100% committed to her husband, her vows, and her God, that is putting up a fight. You go, girl. Right, drawing a line in the sand and refusing to live the way she was while remaining 100% committed to her husband, her vows, her, and her God, that was fighting.
many hurting wives like the one I, I saw yesterday, maybe you too, um, are, are not sure if what is happening to them is, is abuse. Maybe you suspect something might be off, even way off, but you wonder. You think to yourself, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe if I was more submissive. Maybe if I was prettier, skinnier, sexier, smarter, kinder, patient, cooperative. You put in the word that maybe you've been told. Maybe if I was a better wife, Christian, mother, cook, house cleaner, person, whatever. He's angry at me, so, so maybe it is me who is wrong. Maybe he has good cause to be angry. Maybe he's the one in the right and, and has no choice but to scold me. Maybe he's the one fighting for the marriage. Maybe... When did serving your spouse become synonymous with saying nothing in the face of domestic violence? There is a difference between selflessness and sacrifice and commitment and patience and self-control and understanding and forgiveness and being treated like a doormat, like a useless, worthless, annoying, stupid object. Marriage has to be something other than being treated like a soccer ball whose sole purpose in life is to be kicked around. Like she's less than a prostitute who at least gets something out of the attack. Like a slave owned by another and trapped in her own home. Yes. There is something more she should expect. So if you're a woman reading this for uh, some help with your own situation, you could very well be living under abuse. Unless, of course, you're reading this for a friend. <laughs> Or, uh, or is reading it for a friend maybe a slightly veiled excuse to, to read it for yourself? If you are a woman, wife, uh, and can identify with any of this, if you're asking the same questions, if you're wondering if the constant pain and cruelty are your own abusive pr prison, um, you know, if that's you or if you're a counselor who's, who's reading this or listening to this to, 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 to learn how to help others, uh, I want to just go through some, some steps. That, uh, that, that you can take. And the first step is just choose to fight. It is simply choose to, to fight. In the story I began with, choosing to fight for something better was fighting for her marriage. Demanding that things change and that she be treated like she is uh, valued and wanted and loved is fighting for her marriage and herself and her children, by the way. Fighting for health is fighting for life. Embracing disease, that's embracing death. Disagreement and squabbles and divergent goals and misunderstanding, the silent treatment, rough patches. Even, even every marriage that, that lasts endures those kind of difficulties. But all of that can transpire without abuse. Abuse is much more than simply the long and difficult yet rewarding process of learning to live and work and love another human being. So choose to fight. Uh, two, I'm, I, I just simply, uh, I'm, I'm saying here, choose what to believe. Don't just take it from me or anyone else necessarily. I suggest you read or listen to, to my thoughts and then study the, the biblical passages for yourself from the, from the pre, three previous episodes uh, and listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Know what you believe. 
then test your counselor of choice to make sure their advice will be keeping with what God has said to you already. You know, from this distance, um, distance from you and your story, it's impossible for me to know if you're a victim of marital or relational abuse. But if you're wondering how much of uh, the same things I have wondered about with you out loud here, you owe it to yourself to keep wondering and do some research. My guess is if that you are wondering and the questions I have started with today are questions you have, you're living with abuse. Reading or listening to the previous three uh, 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 podcasts will certainly begin to reveal the truth if you're still not sure. They will also direct you to passages you can and should study. The podcast, along with your, your own research, will probably be all the information you need to make at least an initial assessment of the relationship that you have in question. If you need more Google domestic violence and read or watch the explanations and testimonials you find there, know what you believe, where, where your spirit's where your spirit-led lying in the sand is on this issue. If you're not a Christian, you still must decide what is right and wrong. The three previous articles should help anyone, Christ follower or not, ask Siri or Alexia or your grandmother uh, to gather some information to bring clarity and measure what you feel in your heart so you can determine what is true and right. Talk to other married people and find out what they're dealing with and what, what is normal. Uh, and you do this not just to justify or prove your point, but to make sure you are not selflessly driven or unwisely confused or whatever the voices in your head, real or not, are saying to you about your situation. So you, so you, you, you have to choose if this is to fight. You have to choose if this is something you should and want to fight for, your relationship, your marriage. Choose what you believe, all right? And then I'm just going to say this and then and don't, don't, Walk away from it when I say this, because I'm going to help you slide into this. Okay, move into this. But three, it is just choose to tell your story. I think this might be the hardest step of all. It also will, after the next step, probably be the most helpful and powerful. Uh, since that is likely to, to, to be the case, consider the advice of Darby Strickland that I found in an article to Wondering Wives. Um... Start by telling God, all right, this is the advice she gave, start by telling God, then begin a journal and write your story out, let, the, let passages of scripture, uh, especially those uh, found maybe in the poetry of the Psalms, she suggests, give words to your emotions and experiences, and then consider telling another trusted, safe human being. I'm going to unpack that a little bit um, for you. If you go to the... Um, blog. The link to the article is uh, is in the blog notes. I'll tell you where the blog is a little bit later. Um, so there are a lot of advantages. I, I liked what she said almost exclusively because she, she said, start by telling God. And there are many advantages of being beginning to recount your story to God. Um, and here's just three quick ones. The first advantage is God is a safe place to vent. To begin by telling God uh, it's a slow but certain start that helps you stand face-to-face -face with the truth you need to admit. The beauty of beginning with God is that there will be no judgment there, no gossip, nor can speaking the truth kept silent for so long pollute his heart or, or, or taint another's reputation in his estimation. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen with God. 
He already knows the truth you have yet to acknowledge. He knows better than you, the person you're pointing your finger at. Uh, Your complaint can't be anything to him but precious. So he's a safe place. You don't have to worry that if you tell him, it will get out. You don't have to worry that he will reject you or condemn you. If you begin to tell him, just tell him your story. Another advantage is that God is a God who will patiently listen. There's something powerful about that truth, okay? There is also something helpful in having to to think through and organize your thoughts enough to speak in sentences. So in order to tell this to God, you've got to get to what's in your head and in your heart. And when I say you're going to speak to God, start telling your story to God, you might even want to verbalize this out loud. Because there's something about hearing it out loud that makes it a little more solid, a little more real. And it's a step in the direction of getting the help that you need. God does not need coherent communication to hear our answer, okay? Uh, More on that in a minute. But the effort of formulating ideas into even somewhat coherent expression so another can understand your experiences and feelings is a good practice, um, uh, you know... It's good practice for the steps that will follow. Telling God may also be the first time you have talked about it, really opened up and risked facing the truth, or even really understood for ourselves what uh, what we think and feel about our, our own story. God will wait and listen and even help you gain clarity, help you sort things out, help you see what has been hidden or unknown to you. He gives wisdom and direction to those who ask, and he will not prematurely rush in like many people before hearing your whole story and the wounds you carry and begin to tell you what he thinks or or what you should do. Let me pause here and just say that um, you can now listen to this podcast through Amazon. Amazon now uh, um, streams podcasts. You just go to Amazon Music and click on Podcasts and search for the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Um... You can go to www.tworivers.church. Again, that's the same beginning, um, www.tworivers.church, that I gave you for contributing to our, our launch of uh, counseling practice, www.tworivers.church. But the podcast then is slash Brave the Rapids. There's where the transcripts will be. Um, keep listening for some, some more exciting news as we talk about the, the launch of the center. Um, there's going to be a new website, blog site, and the ability to seek coaching and counseling in person via a safe telehealth portal. That is all coming up. So um, let's go back now. These are advantages of beginning by telling your story. You have to choose to tell your story, and you're going to just begin by telling God. The advantages are it's a safe place to vent, and God is going to listen patiently. And, and, and this this third idea that uh, third advantage is God is love, he's close to you, he's listening, and he is able to help. It's just another huge thing about beginning with God. You do not need sentences. Okay, I, I, Forming the sentences is going to be helpful, but you don't need them. If all you can reach inside yourself as you begin to tell somebody is the pain and the anger and the hurt, and all you can muster are groans and tears... He knows your heart, sentences or no sentences. Your weeping, confusion, and loneliness, and helplessness, and fear are your sentences. God is close. He's listening. He, he, he can interpret because he knows your heart. 
God loves you. He is close by. He's able to interpret any communication you direct his way, unintelligible by human standards or not. He is never confused and never misjudges and never misunderstands or draws a blank or struggles to know what we think or feel when he hears our prayers, even if our prayers are nothing more than pouring out the emotions in our heart. Whether a fearful whisper, an angry shout, mumbled complaint, silent pain, desperate need, or unspoken dream, God is so close, cares so much, and is so powerful that anything said, when nothing is said, and what is only felt, is known by Him. We cannot fool or lie to Him, but we also cannot ever be out of His sight or mind. He may wait until you talk to Him to answer your needs. But he never forgets, fumbles, or fails to get your needs right. Begin with God. Is that not the best and safest place to start anyway? I'm going to say something else here under this point about your story. When I talk about telling your story, and it's just own the whole story. First of all, own the whole story. Uh, Brene Brown, a researcher and writer on shame and vulnerability, in, in wholeness, um, says, uh, when we deny the story, it defines us. When we deny the story, our story, it defines us. But when we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. I've learned, she says, that writing a brave new ending in our personal lives means, and there's three bullets, Writing a brave new ending means we can't smooth over hurt feelings in our families. It's too easy to, for uh, stockpiled hurt to turn into rage and resentment and isolation. We must talk about it, even when we don't want to, even when we're tired. Writing a brave new ending in our personal lives also means that we can't pretend our family histories of addiction, mental health issues, whatever they are, don't exist in our hope. If our hope is to write a new story and pass that legend, that legacy of emotional honesty and health down to our children, we can't pretend. And last, she says, to write that brave new ending, we must own our failures and mistakes so that we can learn and grow. Uh, it's hard, but I've seen how it becomes part of a family and organizational culture and unleashes innovation and creativity. It doesn't feel comfortable, but courage really does. Owning our story is standing in our truth. I think she's exactly right. Telling the whole story is a critical step, but it has to be followed by owning the story. It's the whole story and then owning the story. No more pretending or avoidance or self-pity or denial. Own what is. Deceiving yourself and others about it does not change it, nor will it allow the future to be changed. So, Again, it's critical that you don't leave parts out, that you own the whole story, even the embarrassing parts as you begin to tell God. Um, every part of the story. And, and then you own it. Stop uh, pretending it didn't happen or denying it or living it with avoidance. Now, once you get a little comfortable having told and retold it to God the same story and all the worst parts over and over again, or finally, you know, finally getting the whole story out, begin to write it down. 
committing to hard copy. I, I said, you know, saying it out loud kind of makes it more real. Well, committing to hard copy makes it even more real. It helps further the progress of self-discovery and finally putting it behind us. It's going to begin to help us even more. To, to, to formulate sentences is the first step uh, in, in being able to describe what we're experiencing to somebody else. But even then, um, the next step of writing it into sentences, like full grammatically correct sentences, makes it even more clear. And it, it, it helps us process and even begin to identify our own feelings. It provides a, a place to recount ongoing abuse as new inst instances occur, either for yourself or your ongoing chats with God and eventually with, with a counselor or even, uh, God forbid, with authorities. It will help when the day comes that you decide to open up your story to another human being or are somehow forced to do so in desperation, a calculated tactic, or self-defense. So four is choose God's help and healing. It's my belief that healing from the wounds of abuse is something only God can provide. Yet another reason to begin to talk about your story with God. As the designer and creator of your invisible self, he knows how it works, how to keep it healthy, and how to heal it. Healing from abuse is, is swapping open wounds for scars. There will always be reminders and memories, but you can live a healthy life with a scar. But open wounds that need protection and tons of watchful care hamper and limit our mobility and our adventurous spirit. If you have tried to move beyond the abuse, by, uh, but healing has never come, it, it, um, if sensitivity that sabotages new relationships persists, if fear that keeps you from even trying to connect closely with another human being is a nagging and perpetual problem, you may want to consider God, which is why I will give you a final step. Choose helpful help. So you're going to choose God's help and healing, but you're also going to, and this is in reference to who you're going to begin to talk to, you're going to choose helpful help. And I, I suggest that you just listen real carefully. You need to choose someone who has experience with abuse cases, someone who can be trusted, but with the information you share and to give biblical advice, but the biblical advice that is not removed from its context or not blurred and distorted by this standard approach, which is nigh on abuse itself, that the churches have been guilty of offering for decades. Again, you need to listen to the previous podcasts to, to really get what I'm talking about there. But not all churches, um, not all people who profess to be Christians and counselors are going to talk about this the way I have in the previous three and in this podcast episode. I suggest you choose a Christian counselor with this caveat. Make sure they are a Christian before they are a secular clinician. Some professed Christian counselors are Christians who give the same counsel as a non-Christian does, as a non-Christ follower, uh, which is good, but incomplete because it lacks the spiritual perspective. They may sprinkle in a few verses or the name of God, but I'm talking about someone who holds to a biblical standard of holiness, who uses the Bible to interpret secular culture and convictions, uh, not the other way around. It may take some work, and that may prolong your situation, but finding the right counselor is critical, or you're going to get advice that is actually going to end up being more abusive on top of the abuse you've already experienced. This is not to say that non-Christian counselors are of no use. No, 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 not by a long shot. 
but there are things that must be dealt with that a secular counselor may not touch, like sin and forgiveness. Leaving you, uh, uh, <clears throat> leaving you on your way, but still less than well. All right, they can send you along better, but less than fully well. Uh, there are wounds, heart wounds, soul-piercing pain that only God can heal and set you free from. You do not want to settle for understanding and managing and, and controlling and trying to minimize the impact of your pain. That means it's still there. If you're controlling it, it's still fighting to be heard. It has not been addressed. The pain is still a wound and not a scar. You want real and full healing, which leaves scars but emancipates you from its manipulation and limitation and the need for management. So, six is, I'm almost done, don't trust your own judgment alone. Allow me to tell you a quick story to make my point. I began this, couple, this article a couple of weeks ago right after a particularly difficult counseling session, as I mentioned above. Well, it happened again, two days ago. Here's what I heard, and have heard many times over again as this distraught woman wept literally into her hands. She said, I've been in abusive relationships before. I thought I knew how to recognize it. I thought I would know. I would see it when it happened again. I told myself I'd never put myself in that situation again. I was sure I'd be able to prevent the reoccurrence myself. How? How have I ended up here again? It was hard for her to admit. It was hard to hear due to the pain and frustration and hopelessness that she emoted. And it is very typical and understandable, psychologically understandable. I could take some time and explain the psychology behind her questions and assure you that she is neither stupid or crazy. That is a quite normal and uh, that is quite normal and that ending up back in abuse, it's predictable and logical. Might seem crazy, but it's not. I will, however, refrain from, you know, going into all that by simply saying that a wounded heart will not be able to protect itself from the same wounding happening again. From within, from within our own story, we are blind and biased. Wellness gives much better vision. And wellness usually connects you with someone outside your story who has the perspective and experience needed to, to stop the repetition of the mistake. You can't, can't trust on your own judgment alone. Please get some help and healing before you attempt another relationship because if you do not, there is a good chance that this woman's story will become your own. You will indeed end up again starting over. You don't want that. Uh, number seven, I just say choose where to stand. Assuming you come to the conclusion that your treatment is wrong and something needs to be done, where is your line in the sand? Is getting out and getting safe already necessary? Do you need to begin to warn your spouse or partner that things are going to need to change? Do you need to begin to have a conversation to see if they will engage with you, listen to you, uh, grant you your point of view, validate your feelings, and genuinely show some care for you? Or are you already there? If this is the third or fourth time you've had to get up your courage to stand up for yourself, 
Uh, do not ask any of those questions. It's time to do something. Having a voice other than your own to confirm and support your desire for a better relationship in life, as long as those voices are not simply commiserating with you and, and aggravating things, this will be invaluable. So number six comes back into play again. Not only will good counsel help you make an accurate determination about your situation, but it offers invaluable guidance in the fight to extricate yourself from abuse, walk through recovery, wisely consider reconciliation, and either follow God into the best life you could ever dream of or out of your current situation and into an alternate path to that overflowing life. Know where you stand. Where is your line in the sand? Nowhere it is. Nowhere being kind, patient, gracious, gracious supportive, sacrificial, uh, um, and, and, and true to your vows. Know where that line is and where those things no longer apply and no longer trump standing up for your quality of life. You've got to have some help. Choosing where you stand is like point six. You're going to need some help. Beyond Talking to God, you're going to need to talk to a human being. And I titled this next section too long, and this just really just hurts my heart to have to say this. But as a counselor, I've almost never had a wife or a woman who was trapped in an abusive relationship or marriage come to me with her questions and confusion about real abuse before she is at least five to ten years into the marriage. Usually, it's more like fifteen or 20 years in, if not more. Strangely, for Christian women, it is on the long end before they speak to anyone. The way some describe how a godly wife should act and, and the scriptures they use to support their view, they exacerbate the confusion and prolong the agony instead of bringing clarity, hope, and real help. They use misleading and unbiblical ideas about divorce and submission and purity and faith for, for some classic verses that are, are used uh, this way. Go look at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, which is often used without any reference to verses 7 through 12, which is applied to both spouses. The guilt this creates, the shame it elicits, the fear, the hiding, the confusion, the bitterness toward their husband and God, all that allows abuse under the guise of godliness. It's horrible counsel that creates a deplorable and unbiblical situation. Yes, there's a difference between submission and respect and abuse and domestic violence. You may not be able to see the line there. You may not know where that line is or should be. That's why you need some help. The, the former two do not include or condemn a godly woman to endure the latter two, okay? The former two, submission and respect, that's not a condemnation for a godly woman to endure. It's, it's abuse and domestic violence. Just because you're a godly woman who wants to, to do the right thing and respect her husband, it does not mean you have to endure abuse and domestic violence, <laughs> If reading this before the previous three articles on divorce and domestic violence, God, and the Bible, and, and you have more questions than you have satisfying answers, go back and read and listen to uh, clarify what I am and am not saying to you. If you have read much Christian literature on these and related subjects, uh, these podcasts should help you ask the right questions to discover if you have asked the right questions. <laughs> if you ended up um, listening to this podcast um, you are the one who is doing all the wondering. You are ready. Manifest the courage and bravery you need to move forward. 
Okay, if you're if you're already hearing my voice, this has taken courage. I just want to acknowledge that that I think that probably means you have the courage to move forward. You can find life-giving healing and escape your abusive prison and do it biblically in godliness and wisdom and with God's help and approval. And I'm going to repeat that. All right? You can find life-giving healing. You can escape your abusive prison. Whatever that looks like and whatever that takes. And you can do it biblically. And you can be godly and wise. And you can have God's help and approval all at the same time. On the next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we're going to move into Season 5 by tackling the theology of pain, including uh, the necessity of pain, three kinds of pain that make up the, the three gauges on the dashboard of life, uh, coping mechanisms that we use to avoid pain, the problems that those coping mechanisms eventually create, and Jesus' prescription for facing pain. We will move from there into the connected steps of subject of self-awareness and a new old tool for becoming more tuned in to the inner workings of our own soul. Again, the Two Rivers Counseling Center can provide Christian counseling for your life. If you'd like to talk to someone about uh, questions or struggles that this article serves for you, you can go to Two Rivers Counseling Center's uh, current website, again, at www.tworivers.church slash the center. Just click Get Counseling link, and you fill out the form, and it will actually send it directly to me. Again, that is also the link where um, that website is also where you can find how to help us launch our counseling center. We can always make a virtual appointment through a secure telehealth portal to connect face-to-face, no matter where you are in this ever-shrinking globe. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, do not waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how God would have you work the new thought into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been. We firmly believe that God will exchange the wounding of the past for the wellness of the future. A transformation that frees us to be wholeheartedly available to Him and those near us. As we walk into that healing, we gain the humble confidence and godly credibility needed to step unrestricted into the life and impact God has for us. And when we experience that for ourselves, it gives us a compelling story from which to call others to experience the same. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.